Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all of the places that you uh, get your stuff, or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, wearing a golf shirt. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Happy Masters Week, friends. Happy opening day. That seems unimportant. Mm. Seems seems like this thing's going to be over in about four days. It seems like... <laughs> yeah, too much baseball. Mm. <laughs> I need to dial it back. Um... We're joined in studio today as we continue our series of big-time guests. We're joined uh, by the, I don't know, I just figure you run 247 Sports, is that correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. He is uh, 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 a scout with 247 Sports. He is Gabe Brooks. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for coming in and, sell and, and spending Braves opening day with us. Yes. We appreciate that. Yes. Uh, and also sitting to my right, he is the recruiting analyst for Dave Campbell's Texas Football from Next Level Athlete. It's our friend Greg Powers. Yeah, okay. it's also opening day for the Reds. It's also opening day for the Reds. Who do they play? The Braves. How do you think that's going to go? I think it's going to go bad. Y'all should fight. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> about like how it did in the playoffs. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, today's Thursday, April 7th, 2022, 231 days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to my pappy. Oh, okay. Happy birthday to Pickles. Pappy. It's his 75th birthday. Happy Pickle. Happy Pickle. Happy Pickle. Happy no, uh, other side of the family, but yes. <laughs> Happy birthday, Pappy Jones. Jones. Um, and happy birthday to Adrian Beltre. That is, guys. That's a big one for you, huh? Oh, buddy. <laughs> I've I've never been to Cooperstown. I'm waiting until he goes in, and then it's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm taking a week, and I'm going up there and just basking in the, the Adrian Beltre glory. Uh, it's episode 1,364. We're going to talk some recruiting today with Gabe Brooks of 247 Sports and Greg Powers of Nexal Athlete. So if you've ever had questions about recruiting and how to how people recover, recover recruiting or uh, analyze prospects or analyze film, et cetera, et cetera. You can get those questions in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, et cetera. We'll get to as many as we can throughout the course of the show. First, Pickle, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Rob Hadaway, Nick Morton, Aaron Arbuckle, and some guy named Matt Stepp. Never heard of him. The Canadian? Yes. The Canadian. That's fine. I, I, I didn't know they had internet in Canada, honestly. I've, I found that out recently. It's good for them. Okay. Gabe. Yeah. 
we wanted to have you on yesterday because normally our recruiting show is on it's on Wednesday. Um, but you you told us we we got in touch with your your booking agent and uh, she said no. She just stiff armed me. Yeah, she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> she said that pickle girl. Because yes, yesterday was a big day over there at two four seven sports because it was you guys released your. 2024 initial rankings right yes so we had uh last august we had the initial top 100 nationally which is essentially just a watch list mm-hmm. um so we expanded that out to our first top 24 7 247 players and beyond which uh goes into the three-star range so i bet we have uh probably 400 plus uh, evaluated in that class now nationally mm-hmm. um, in Texas it's about 50 so far and by the end of the cycle in almost two years that'll be you know 400 400 ish in Texas alone probably 300 to 400 so in this initial 247 um, do you know how many Texans there are offhand or uh, between, ballpark between I think it's 36 I okay. think it's between 35 and 40 which is pretty normal who's the who's the top rated texan uh jelani watkins okay who is maybe the fastest player in the country mm. uh if you go off of track data which is extremely important to us um because it bears we're we're graded we're ultimately uh, graded by the nfl draft mm-hmm. and so people are like well why are you know that's really hard to do why do you do that yeah it is very hard but how else do you try to quantify um evaluating the evaluation process other than the nfl draft and that's what you know every year of the draft you know this guy was a five star this guy was a three star this guy was a two you know like all that stuff so uh we try to project to the nfl draft not to college success so we uh, we look for certain traits that we see in nfl drafts which track and field is so that's why that's very, why very important. That's why you're always out there with a stopwatch, stuff like that. Is what you're uh, saying? No. <laughs> and of course, Jelani Watkins is the brother of Amani Watkins. TCU TCU's yes. Amani Watkins and goes to Klein Forest. Already possesses double digit offers. Texas A and M, TCU among them. So. Now, now, Gabe, how long have you been in the recruiting game? Uh, eight years, since February of 2014. Okay. When he hired me. Okay. Because I, I want to get to that. You two have a you two have a long history together. Oh yeah! What an outstanding fist bump um, that was. Well done. And, <laughs> and how often do you two disagree on a prospect? How often do you guys all the want- time? I mean, we're, our our i our ideologies are fall in line a lot and then they differ Mm -hmm. a lot on certain areas i think that we both have strengths and weaknesses as it comes to evaluating certain positions i mean you're talking to two guys that have to evaluate everybody Mm -hmm. you know what i mean in the state and now gabe does a lot more nationally as well and sometimes it's like comparing apples to oranges when you're talking about certain positions certain high schools certain regions certain states like there's a lot of factors that really to me go into an entire evaluation and it's ever changing you know you you, we're talking about Jelani Watkins being the number one player um, per 24-7 sports rankings in that 2024 class Um, but that's not to say that he'll end up number one because there's a lot of time left in that okay class to evaluate it that's that that's like the big takeaway with 
2024. There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of time. I mean, there's a lot of time left in 23. Right. Um, so this is the first draft is what you're saying. Yeah, this is like, you know, something that we concentrated on was was traits. Mm-hmm. Like, the you know, the, the five foot seven guy who ran for 2,800 yards his sophomore year but doesn't have any track and field, doesn't have any verified testing, and he's five foot seven. Um, th- there's this isn't a specific guy. This is just an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not going to be valued as much early in the process as the five eleven running back who has run an eleven zero, you know, an eleven flat hundred meters, has been verified in the four six range, you know, even if he had you know part time carries and ran for seven hundred yards. So right now, you would say that and maybe this is for, for both of you guys, that, that projecting out these rankings right now is more based on, it's based more on measurables now than it will be maybe when we get to the final rankings for, for the class 2023, 2024, things like that. Uh, is, it a, is it a situation like that? I don't know if I would say more than then because the measurables really carry a lot of weight for us because we are looking for draft traits. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as, you know, uh, just trying to get the right names, mm-hmm. whether they're in the national top 50 or the, you know, number 200, which in the grand scheme of things, on paper, it seems like a big difference. But mathematically, that's, that's really not that big a difference. Like a top 200 guy and a top 50 guy is not that big a difference. But the point is that we just want to have the right Get, as one of my colleagues, Cooper Patagna, who has been director of player personnel at uh, Michigan and Washington and Oregon, uh, he wants to get. You know, he says we want to get guys in the right buckets, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we try to do. I mean, nobody, honestly, nobody ideally wants to evaluate players this early. It's still right. extremely early, but it's. I mean, it's just part of the beast. It's the mm-hmm. nature of the beast. So. Uh, you know, we really emphasize traits now and, and I mean, for the duration, but especially right now. I think, I think Gabe made a pretty good point in the fact that, you know, they are evaluating players as it relates to the NFL draft, and we kind of do it a little bit different, which is going to give you a different sort of take on the rankings. We're mm-hmm. projecting more here on how they're going to be in college, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of a – that is a pretty huge difference because whether you run a four three five forty or a four five forty may not – be that vast when you're talking about this kid's going on to play at SMU but when the NFL teams evaluate a guy they're going to always if if everything being is everything is equal they're going to go with the faster bigger stronger guy every time and that can really have a big change as you look at the rankings you know that could put a guy number one that's different than what we may have in the long run you mentioned that you feel like this is really early and obviously look this is is the business and this there's a lot of interest in recruiting and the earlier you can get this stuff out there i mean there are people who put out there's probably a list of 2027 recruits out there like yeah by like by some random twitter by 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 at slappy on twitter or something like that um so but let me ask kind of both of you and obviously it varies from prospect to prospect, but when do you, is there, is there a time in a, a player's career, high school career, that comes that you feel like, all right, now I feel like I have a pretty good feel for 
who you are and how you stack up. Is it at the end of their senior season? Is it a little bit, is it maybe after their junior season? And obviously every prospect is different, but is there generally a time frame where you're like, all right, I have a pretty good idea of who you are? I would I would say junior tape, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, I think junior tape is by far the most yeah. important, but I love to go even a, a little bit. I mean, I think the camp settings are pretty important, you know, yeah. following that junior season to yeah. get some verified measurables and some verified times at some of the camps like that's pretty important too to kind of put a cap on it you know because the junior tape is the jumping off point and then to, to separate out those guys can sometimes come down to measurables and, and 40 times to me yes and and uh track times on top yeah i was going to say that spring of your of your uh junior year uh the track and field especially in texas mm-hmm. um i mean for example uh i i use a I use a couple of different track websites. One of them is Mile Split, which is a national one. Uh, just looking on there recently, uh, I think it was in the last two weeks, eight of the top ten four by one hundred relays in the country are in Texas. Mm. Wow. So, you know, does that say you know that that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there needs to be a hundred twenty guys in the top two hundred fifty players in the country, you know, from Texas, but uh recent drafts have been pretty heavy on texas guys especially higher and uh you know there a lot of them are the majority of them are multi-sport and uh that like greg said that spring not only combine camp setting but the the track and field uh really uh, you know evan stewart looks really really good on the field his junior year and then he almost long jumps 25 feet and he runs a what was it a 10-5 i think he's fast yeah <laughs> so like it gives you even more ammunition to be convicted about somebody he's like also that. very marketable yes he is yes i thought of an answer i think to one of your prior questions too as it relates how we see things differently sometimes i would say offensive line gabe is the position that where we have the most disagreements because I like the big guys, mm-hmm. you know, and this is even like college philosophies, NFL philosophies. There are, you know, offensive line coaches out there who love these bigger guys. They think that they're going to get them in shape. I kind of trend towards those guys, and Gabe kind of likes the guys that you can add, you know, to their frame. He, I think you would really be high on a, you know, a 6'5", 260-pound offensive tackle yeah. um, that has long arms and, you know, you can project them out a little bit more and, to the NFL point, that's probably you know yes. accurate, and I like the college-ready hog mollies. Now, there, you there know were, what I mean? Like I love a, those guys. There were a couple <laughs> of you know there were a few drafts where um, there was one in particular that was kind of like the exclamation mark of a, a little string of drafts where there were five first-round offensive tackles and none weighed three hundred pounds in high school. Yeah, um, and and one was two forty, and the other one was a two hundred twenty five pound quarterback in high school that uh, went. Lane F- Johnson? Uh, no, it was uh, the guy. I think the guy the Texans drafted out of an FCS okay. uh, school at, like three years ago. But these last couple of drafts, you know, Panay Sewell, Makai Becton, uh, and I mean, there are like Pete, like these kids are getting bigger by the year, yeah. mm-hmm. and. Finding these, you know, the 6'5", 260 types is not quite as easy as it may have been four years ago. Um, you know, there's a guy going to Ohio State named Tegra Shibola who showed up to the All-American Bowl and 
moved as well as anybody there and was six five and a half 355 wow and you know so he's done like he's a finished product almost, like physically you know I mean? yeah like you, you can reshape it some but like you if you ask if you went up and asked somebody he said how much do that guy's weight weighs he's probably uh, he weighs about 300 like that's how well he yeah. wears it so um having said that our number one offensive tackle in the country who is making his commitment tomorrow um a 2022 guy uh, who, who's committing late, Josh Connerly from Washington. He he's six five, two eighty three, thirty four and a half inch arms. Plays basketball. Played both ways in high school. So he like that fits the profile of uh, what Greg is kind of talking about. That that I slash we at twenty four seven often look for are these big framed relatively lean athletes who uh who have movement skill so that's uh, greg powers and gabe brooks joining us here on texas football today talking recruiting today um we are uh, we had uh smu's director of scouting uh, alex brown in yesterday we were chatting him up and one of the things i kind of mentioned to him was about uh, and this is something powers and i talk about a lot is like football playing dudes right you watch them and, and you see them on the field and they're super productive and 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 for me as a recruiting dummy i'm like well it seems like being good at football seems important to playing football why don't you just go get that guy so obviously some there but but there are measurables that come in fact and, and stuff like that so especially for because i know your philosophy on it a little bit but but for both of you guys is like how does a guy have like how does a guy is there a point where a guy can be so productive in high school you know obviously adjusted for classification and competition things like that but can be so productive that he can overcome deficiencies in in in, in measurables um you know i i I, I think Cooper Cup's an easy example of a guy who's just like he's hyper, you know, hyper productive in high school, hyper productive in college. Obviously, pretty good in the NFL. Is there a point where you where a guy is so productive that you go and you're like, I need to go and take another look at this kid? I think we could talk about this forever. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those topics that yeah. you could really go down a rabbit hole here and and kind of dive into it. I like to think of a guy like Doug Brooks. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like here's a prime example of a guy who is a Mr. Everything on the field. Um, and I'm not saying that this is like a, a Doug Brooks problem. This isn't a Doug Brooks problem at all. This is just a generalization of making sure that you list your measurables accurately on huddle. And this is like if recruits and coaches, high school coaches are listening to this kind of stuff, you know, today, make sure the measurables are accurate, that they're aren't disappointments if you're listed at 6-1 on your huddle tape the coach shows up and you're 5-10 mm. you know what i mean that's going to create a you wouldn't believe how many yeah well it's a lot listed at 6-1 who were who don't sniff six feet yeah so i mean that's a big thing we because a, we put together a magazine where people submit their <laughs> height to 40s and i tell people all the time man you'd be stunned at how many kids run a 4-4 in this state oh, yeah. it's amazing yeah you know so so you're you're saying that's a small thing of like just like don't lie to us. Like, yeah, just, just keep it you. accurate so that gets you dialed in quicker to the right type of schools. But Doug Brooks is a guy that you would watch on the high school tape or on the, you know in the state championship game, and you're like, wow, this guy could play for anybody mm-hmm. in the country. You know, he's playing running back and he's a defensive tackle, but he was probably in that five eleven, what two fifty five 
yeah. range, 250, mm-hmm. yeah. something like that, something like which that. his size may have limited his overall recruitment um, in some regards. I mean, there were some other things there, too, to keep an eye on as colleges were monitoring his progress. Um, but, I mean, there's guys like Texas High has a guy this year, um, Brandon Childs, defensive tackle there. Not on everybody's radar, but he's a, you know, a 275-pounder that can you know squat 650 pounds and benches 355. No one really knows about him yet. But to me, he's a guy who can really go. Um, but will his size or height limit his recruitment in general? Plus, he's all the way out at Texas High. Will that also limit the eyes that mm-hmm. see him? There are just so many – I guess the, I guess my – long short long answer is that so many variables (laughs) there's a lot of variables and i think one of the main ones in that discussion is it's very position specific Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, you know like there are certain positions where you you just you have to be you're not gonna if you're not to be this tall to if you're if you're not if you're if you're if you're 511 you're not gonna play tackle at in college and you're not gonna go to the nfl not right you know not unless you're Brandon Kennedy. Yeah. One um, of my first years covering recruiting, um, now OU head coach Brent Venables, said two inches short, uh, 10 pounds overweight, two inches right, two inches left, and we don't want to have anything to do with you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, And that's a pretty good way to encapsulate it for college programs as they're looking that those two inches can make a mm-hmm. pretty big difference. Right. Um, you know, like an example I came up with, um, Coy Aiken, the receiver from from Stephenville, was a guy who um, I think probably doesn't have that top end speed. I think is my is my guess mm-hmm. is is he doesn't have that top end speed. But then you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, well, he's just going nuts every single day, every single night. Now, obviously, they run a, a receiver friendly system and things like that, but he shows on the state championship games. Joey McGuire ends up taking a flyer on him. He goes to Texas Tech. Um, so there, so for you guys, there there is a point with some positions where the numbers not even the numbers but just the production gets so high that you're like all right i need to take another look and, and, well, and reevaluate in, in the case of somebody like him specifically mm-hmm. that's somebody i watch and i think he needs to flip to defense okay and, why is that well for one thing uh extensive offensive snaps translate very well to defense at at higher levels um like you said, there is a, a concern about top end speed, and receivers are not, or, you know, receivers only get faster uh, mm-hmm. uh, at, by the year. And he's, what is he, six, six, legit, six, six two, six two. Yeah. And you guys um, have him listed six two, 185. Yeah. So this is somebody who, um, you know, the trend on, on defense is the positionless back seven or back eight, depending on what your front is. This is somebody I would look at and say, develop him put 20 to 30 pounds on him have him be a space backer three years from now yeah. is he even in a box a know? box yeah. safety or a space backer uh nickel backer mm-hmm. is sometimes they, you know there's all kinds of names for it um that's that's what i see him that and i think we we, we rated him as an athlete i think instead of a receiver uh, I think you guys now have him listed a receiver, but I think for a long time you guys did. Yeah, have him I, see, I, I've uh, you would stick him back at. I would, I would put him as an athlete personally because as a receipt, his his rate. What what we like to do is we want to rate guys where they're going to rate the highest, rather than you know like like if somebody is uh you know state U is taking this guy as a receiver is like well he's you know he's he's not going to be projected as well 
at this specific position as if we just put the athlete label on him and he flips the defense, you mm-hmm. know. So there's a lot of dynamics you guys have to deal with on that too, you yeah. know, as far as it relates to a school um, may tell a recruit they're recruiting him, recruiting him mm-hmm. as a wide receiver, and you know, you guys have to deal with you know, the team side side of that too that are going to really always buy into what that coaching staff is going to tell them about a yes. player, but. Well, I got news for you. These coaching staffs aren't always 100% honest. The reality is that within a week of getting there, he's going to be a corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's like, well, you know, we – we have to keep this relationship with the team side and with the coaching staff and you know like that there is the whole dynamic with that sometimes but well i mean in the you know the, in all fairness the team guys do have to yeah. go by what the what those coaches inform them of you know yeah. if, if jimbo fisher goes out on in the national signing day press conference and says that um was it gabriel brownlow is it was it gabriel brownlow dindy yeah dindy is a defensive end i mean yeah you gotta Uh go by it but he's a 300 he's 6'2 290 and has a 610 wingspan um it was verified on a laser in the high four eights like he's a freak show yeah but i mean that could have been a bad example too because he's only no but but i think he said in that press conference he's a dn to us like a 290 pound guys you know even if he's the lat technically uh uh structurally the last guy on the end mm-hmm. like you know, he's an interior player right right yeah he's a he's a three tech that where happened in a lineup off yeah. the edge exactly yeah. right uh pickle do we have any questions from the people yeah we have quite a few um we'll start off with step did send this in and it kind of ties into another one so i'll put this one first but in addition to track times gabe's the guy who likes to watch basketball tape when it comes to evaluating a football prospect what are you looking for when you see a prospect playing hoops so there's all kinds of of you know, any any extra sport any multiple sport background is good um there I'm, I'm generally like not gonna knock somebody for you know not being dominique wilkins <laughs> having said that uh you know there's there are two foot jumpers and one foot jumpers and you know people there are players who who have some bounce but they have to stop and gather and jump off of two feet as opposed to guys who fly around and jump off one foot and punch it. Uh, that's a clear difference in athletic ability. Uh, their sport, you know, sport-specific skill. Um, I, I'll tell you when 23 class Jalen Hale from Longview mm-hmm. um, was very, very good basketball player his, his sophomore year and highly productive and knows how to shoot it and handle it and but was like a true basketball player and then you check his junior tape and he's finishing breaks jumping off one foot dunking with one hand like not only is does he have the sport specific skill which is valuable from especially a receiver standpoint with dexterity and ball skills and everything but um you see athletic development there too and that's big you know mm-hmm. like you uh you know, I I don't you know, I don't know if anybody would have considered him a possession receiver, just because he wasn't dunking, but um, that I mean every data point you can possibly get is valuable, and seeing him be able to do that his junior year in basketball lets you know that there's clear athletic development going on. He's a big dude, man. Like he's one that's really grown up kind of before our eyes because he started at Longview as a freshman. He was the uh, 
He's the only freshman to play varsity under John King. Really? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, but just to look at him now, how he's grown kind of before our eyes, so to speak. I mean, and he he's a very talented player. I like Jalen Hill a lot. Yeah. But even diving deeper, like if I evaluate my own rankings prowess over the years, receiver is one of those positions, especially in Texas, because there are so many really good receivers. I evaluate my like receiver rankings as one of the areas that I have to really closely monitor because I I miss on a lot of bigger bodied wide receivers mm-hmm. because they're so dominant in high school and um, they're able to body up smaller defensive backs and you know use size to their advantage and and really that's where Gabe and I have bounced ideas over each other over the years and that's an area where I feel like I'm started to become better to come around to his way of thinking more on track times and stuff as it relates to the wide receiver position especially because that could be you know the thing that really differentiates out a one receiver from another you know and not just to take well he put up 1300 yards and he's dominating the district and all that you know what i mean because i'm a you know i'm a i'm a very big in pads oh yeah type of guy i like to see guys with my own two you know that's just how I'm, i'm old school when it comes to that and um I try to use a more new age approach now as it relates to the offensive skill positions, running back and wide receiver. You look at somebody like Jalen Waddle, mm-hmm. yeah, and he was, you know, everybody had him. I think top one hundred, top seventy five nationally. And you look back, and you're like, well, it wasn't high enough because he went in the top ten in the draft. Yeah. Uh, why wasn't he higher? And then you go back and watch, like his not only his tape but his basketball. He's five nine maybe 59 and he is jumping off one foot punching mm-hmm. it on the on fast breaks at like 58 and a half he was a 10 600 meter guy his junior year like there's all of these things that uh you know if if he were to come along now it would be like well he would definitely be a five star but at the at the same time cuz let me let me ask another question cuz Jalen Wall is a good example correct me if I'm wrong Bel Air Episcopal right yep. mm-hmm. so he's playing at the private school ranks in Texas this gets into a larger conversation about this. Um, I, in in my opinion, I think that the top end of the private schools is really, really good. But I also feel like it, the overall, it's kind of the the quality of play is a little bit inconsistent. That's just my overall take on 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 the matter. Um, how how much do you weigh in? Uh, a kid is out there dominating at the at the 6a level versus going out there and dominating at the private school level going out there dominating at the at the 2a level guy like james washington right stanford things like that how do you how how much does that factor into your evaluation as well i take it into consideration mm-hmm. I, yeah I, I i think that's something we talk about all the time um I had to go back and look at Waddle, by the way. I swore that we had him as a five star. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I remember how well he was in the that yeah. Army Bowl he's that unbelievable. year. Yeah. I was um, like, man, I could man. Yeah. He's I, unbelievable. I I, to your point about the top of the, the private school, mm-hmm. uh, I think that not only in the realm of, of private school ball, but on the rosters themselves, that reflects. Mm hmm the the what maybe top five to ten private schools are kind of the only ones that that colleges really for you know st pius in houston uh all saints all saints parish parish nolan's at same way nolan bishop lynch um 
Bishop Dunn, you know, like you can name the ones. There's really on two hands mm-hmm. that that schools really hammer for recruits. And, you know, if you go to a private school, get Prestonwood. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we were at a Prestonwood St. Pius game a couple of years ago. And uh, something that, that reflects also on the rosters is the rosters are top heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, People ask me how how do the private powers compare to the publics, and I say would not be able to play a state level at five A or six A. Um, could they play at a state level at four A? They could they could probably go pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Um, when La Vega and Argyle and Carthage and I, I probably wouldn't pick uh, you know a Prestonwood or somebody like that against. Mm-hmm. You know, one of your juggernaut uh, teams at the top in the foray like that, but that gives you some kind of um, frame of reference. Um, you know, if a player is like you mentioned, James James Washington, like Reginald Davis at mm-hmm. Tenahaw, You know, that's where the the Marlins going to have a bunch of kids. You know, yeah, yeah Marlins got, got a bunch of guys. They've right. got a uh, Darian Gallette, also a great basketball player. Oh yeah, has crazy basketball yeah. stuff. Um, and that was that was one for me that like I you know we bumped him up for I initially made him a kind of a mid to high three, and then I got a hold of some more data on him, including basketball stuff, and I was like, well, this guy's a four star because mm-hmm. uh, uh, the tape is good, but uh, that is something where you like I'm calibrated to six A, I'm calibrated to Florida seven A, eight A, Alabama seven A, mm-hmm. Georgia six A. Um, 6A, 5A, and Carthage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fair. Uh, I, I kind of always put it into, you know, like we've done a lot of stuff in Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Louisiana. I always kind of, too, put it in our private schools in Texas in to try to think how they would translate, you know, to a state like Oklahoma. Um Parish Episcopal is not going to go up and beat Broken Arrow, Jinx, no. or Union, mm-hmm. but... I would probably hedge my money. Yeah, the, I'd probably hedge my money that they would beat Dell City. You know what I mean, or a school like that, which is one of the higher classification mm-hmm. schools in Oklahoma and may have more depth than Parish. But I think the talent at a school like Parish would outweigh a team like that so much that you do have to put it in perspective. And if you're at a private school in Oklahoma, like a Heritage Hall or something mm-hmm. like that, um, you're typically not going to come down here and compete in football so i i do think our private schools and any you know mm-hmm. st louis mm-hmm. all the schools are private mm-hmm. schools in st mm-hmm. louis pretty much whereas you know they produce 25 or 30 d1 guys in a class if the numbers are still mm-hmm. in that range we're going to produce what 350 200 yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. Th- this actually leads perfectly into another question that we had here but uh jacob john asked what states are continuously underrated on producing talent um I can tell you the the big boys, the biggest of big boys are Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. Right there on their heels are, are Georgia and California. The uh, per capita king maybe Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at state populations and then the number of FBS signees, like. I can yeah. actually pull this up. Louisiana's. <laughs> Believe it or not, I can actually do this because uh, I'm working on a piece for the for the magazine. If you're looking for per uh, like high school signees per capita, basically, uh, in 2022, uh, your mileage may vary. It was Georgia. It goes Georgia, Alabama, 
Utah. Man, Georgia. That's insane that Georgia's per capita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a big population. Georgia's state. putting out 1.7 high school signees per 100,000. That's How far did California fall on that list? Because one thing I noticed, and we had this conversation, is that there were players in the California Boy. top 100 this year who didn't sign. California's 28. You know, which is crazy. That's crazy to me because it's changed. Like when I first started in this business, it was. You know, mm-hmm. Texas, California, and Florida. Yeah. And Georgia's really come up. California into that, per capita you know, but, uh, fewer than Connecticut. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Georgia um, also has a, a big high school football culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, it's not uh, too, too dissimilar from, from Texas, uh, where people actually, you know, there's media that pays attention to it, uh, which is really not common like i don't think people understand Mm -hmm. how spoiled they are in texas how uh not just the media but even like uh max preps which is uh under the the viacom cbs paramount umbrella with us at 24 7 sports um like the coaches in texas are are far more likely to fill out their max prep stats Mm -hmm. properly than louisiana or or Alabama or California. So uh, people in Texas, I, I, you know, sometimes don't really know if they understand how spoiled they are from a media exposure and coverage and all, you know, it, you, you can, you can consume high school football year round in the state. Yeah. And that's not really very common at all. So coaches fill out your questionnaires yeah. is what yes. we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's that's 100% a, of them. Um, it, yeah. Well, we're close to 90% right now. Nice. So doing good. Um, the that to me is what I always tell people about like as far as comparing high school football across classifications is like I think there was a lot of talk when Modern Day came to Texas and they they I mean they bullyballed Duncanville in the opener, right? And it was like, "Oh man, like California flexing." And I'm like, "All right, but I would love to take like I I've never I've never thought that like number one through eight let's say in california georgia florida ohio is probably in that mix pennsylvania's kind of fallen off recently but like a couple a couple of states absolutely can go toe-to-toe with the big boys here in texas but it's like numbers nine through 50 yeah you want to bow up it's like that's the no contest and your point about oklahoma is super interesting because i worked in oklahoma briefly and what i realized about them is like jinx and union and broken arrow Legit, like they're they are outstanding programs. And Bixby's gotten that way. Bixby's lately. gotten that way. After that, though, it falls off, and it falls off in a hurry. Whereas in Texas, the depth here is just—it's. I mean, it's plain and simple. It's unmatched. Uh, like, a it, lot of. I mean, a lot of it is population base. Yeah. Um, I've had this discussion with the great Brandon Huffman. Okay. Uh, about uh, you know, he he's our national recruiting editor, West Coast. Uh, West Coast guru. Um, he's originally from Southern California. He lives in in suburban Seattle now. But he, we had this discussion at length when Modern Day came out here, and you know, just brained Duncanville. Yeah. And Modern Day isn't literally an all star team. Like it's an all star team. And uh, that's that, the team we watched down in Mansfield too. About what four? That was De La Salle. That was De La Salle. Yes. Okay. And modern day i think has kind of become what de la salle used to be yeah and uh i mean for example modern day in their 
24 their sophomore class mm-hmm. we we have three linemen in the top 65 in the country <laughs> oh my gosh uh Two of them didn't play very much this past fall. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, one of them is a D lineman who's 6'5", 285, um, with a, a 33 and a half inch arm and all the, you know, like he has 90 seconds of tape and it's him just throwing people. To the we, I would say even, you know, we have a lot more depth in Texas than some of those teams, but when you put, you're only going to play your starters, right? Right. So like when you're coming to, you're traveling to Texas to play one of the top teams, your top 22 guys are going to play and that's the ones that, yeah, that matter. And that's you the, know? The, like the, to your point, California, the, the, that league is called the Trinity league. Modern day St. John Bosco, uh, you know, there's several names you probably recognize. Um, I think Santa Margarita, maybe one of them. Yeah. Um, there, it's a it's a league of like 10, 11, 12 schools. And I was talking to Huffman, and he, I was like, well, what about outside of that? He's like, well, you have Corona Centennial, like Publix, Corona Centennial, mm-hmm. Long Beach Poly, uh, a couple others. He said, then nothing. Yeah, and and so he went to a big high school because all the high schools in Southern California are big. He went to Ventura. I said, so what if Ventura played, uh, you know, insert Lake Travis? Or I said, what if Ventura played like random, like third, fourth place in district DFW six A? He said it would be fifty to nothing at halftime. The DFW team would beat him so bad. Like he was saying that the, there is no depth, uh, right? you know relative to the trinity league right right uh, outside of the trinity league whereas like you say if you take teams 20 to 150 in texas there's not going to be many states that 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 stack up right right okay last question for you guys and i'll get you out of here on on both sides of the spectrum was there is there in your history is there a guy that you hopped on the bandwagon maybe when when nobody else wanted to and you were proven right and then on the other side is there somebody that you watched the tape and you were like eh, i don't know if i buy that and it made you and and he's made you feel stupid Ooh, that's an on the spot i mean the one on the <laughs> top side for me is patrick mahomes i think that's the one i probably get the most credit for um, and Gabe was around to watch him too. I think if Gabe was in the rankings game, we, he probably would have been right there with me on rating him high. So, but Patrick Mahomes is probably the one that I could really hang my hat on as being like that guy who I saw something really special in that for some reason no one else saw it. You know that that was another one. I, I have my other guy too. This is my like biggest your biggest whiff. I have so two. I mean, but we'll keep it strictly to Texas. Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell was a guy who, I mean, he was an all-everything linebacker at Prestonwood Christian Academy, come from a very athletic family. I think whenever he came out of high school, he had the number one all-time in the history spark rating, which at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. combines 40-yard pro shuttle, um, power ball, and vertical jump. So he tested through the roof. I went to a game where he played Royce City, you know, a public school team, and I think he had 36 tackles in that game one game and i was like yeah mike mitchell's the dude i saw that team against uh henderson the year after henderson won it and in henderson and i mean they just obliterated them it was him and it was michael irvin's son yeah and uh the tight end was it christian morgan i think was yeah went to Ole miss but they were they were loaded those were probably the two for me on that both ends of that spectrum i guess um i think for me the one i always go back to is lavisca chenault um, yeah, 
I think it was the state seven on seven tournament in 2015, and uh, Terrence Orr said, "Hey, you got to come watch this guy." And so I was watching him out there. You know, he's dominating. You know, it's seven on seven, but if you're out there being the guy for Desoto, that yeah. means something. <laughs> um, and you know, nobody had even like ever interviewed him or any like anything. So uh, that was one I felt pretty good about um, being higher on him than anybody else. Um, Levi on on uh, Levi on Zarike is another mm-hmm. one um, that that we were higher on than anybody yeah. else was uh, by far. Uh, I don't. I, I, those are two guys that I think we were the only ones that, that had them as fours, and everybody else had them as threes. And Levi, we had just outside the top one hundred uh, nationally, and you know he's a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as guys that I was like, I don't know, I, you know. I, one guy that I I know he's good, but you didn't I, see it. Like I I could see it, but like I just didn't. I didn't know he was going to become what he. I became. didn't believe. <laughs> uh, part of it was he tore his ACL his senior year. It was Jamar Chase. <laughs> Ooh, well, tough. he made you look real dumb this year. Because <laughs> well, we, we had each other's back on that one. Then, I, because I liked, that was my final two four seven Louisiana. Yeah. So I liked Terrace Marshall more. Yeah. I, and, well, I, you know, he's a second rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jamar Chase is one I was not high enough on. Um, by being not high enough, though, he's saying on Jamar Chase is like maybe he was one or two spots. You have him like one oh four. And to to his credit, my former uh, former scouting director at twenty four seven, Barton Simmons, who is now the player personnel man for Vanderbilt, mm. uh, he he was like, oh, you know, Jamar Chase is a five. Barton is like the receiver whisperer. Yeah. Um, he March, know, like he's the guy that you go I mean, to. He, he had Henry Ruggs as the number one receiver in the country when nobody else even had him close to that. Yeah, uh, and then he was the first receiver mm-hmm. taken in his draft. So, uh, but you know, Jamar Chase, yeah, I was too low on him. Uh, but Terrace Marshall at the time was, I thought the best receiver, high school receiver I'd ever seen in person, and he's probably still in in either two or three in that that discussion now. So. Well, Braylon James says he's a hybrid between Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase. He's a dude. So. Braylon James is uh, <laughs> hes pretty ferocious. All right, finally, how are we feeling about the dogs? How are we feeling about the Carthage Bulldogs? Uh, I mean, they, they, a lot of turnover on defense, mm-hmm. which has you know, really been their calling been card, card for, for, sure. for two years. Um, yeah, Kip Lewis ain't walking through that door. No, he's not. Uh, they're... I mean, I'm sure they're going to be fine. Uh, they should have a lot back on offense. They should have, you know, their their two best runners are back. Their best receivers back. Their quarterback is back. Uh, their FBS left tackle is back. Like they have a lot back on offense, uh, which is what got them in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the playoffs was was just offensive consistency. But uh, you know, I mean, it's. Are you happy to be back in Region Two, though? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think, you know, if, if speaking for you got, know, the Carth- got the Carthage wristband yeah, here wristband, too. Yeah. <laughs> speaking for uh, the fan base, which you know, I don't know if I should. While uh, you're ge- the, you're the most prominent Carthage fan I know. Well, while geographically and kind of culturally, Carthage is more like Center Jasper that like down that way from a travel standpoint. 
just being able to go down I-20 to playoff games is is a lot easier than going down like 96 to Beaumont mm-hmm. or you know uh, fi- you know 59 to to like you know New Caney and all that's not a big deal but like you have to stop through all those little towns along you know Dieball and Livingston and I, I think people really like being able to just go you know to either Marshall or Longview and hit I-20 uh, to you know Rose Stadium or to Forney or to the Star like uh, I, I think it's very much preferred uh, travel logistics for the for the fan base. I have to admit that I caught some positive vibes from coach at coaching school. I thought. Well, I, we'll thought ha- that, I thought that we were Co- at coaching or when we saw him in, yeah. in College Station. That's right. Um, I'm just I'm just glad. I think I think he's optimistic, uh, but he's always usually pretty optimistic. He's not mm. Scott Surratt's not a sandbagger. <laughs> well, no, he's not. And the thing with him is that if he if you ask him how do you think you're going to be? And he says, I think we're going to be pretty good. That means you're going to be really, really good. Yeah. Like that's, that's usually what that means. That's the level of sandbagging. He's yeah. not going to be like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to be, we're no. going to play. No, he won't do that. But like, and I think he'll have this look in his eye of like, mm, I think we might have something. I actually something. think his quote might've been, they're pretty good. So, well, and then he, and then he gave his smile and, and yeah, that's but, when you knew. <laughs> yeah. But I also, but I also just am impressed that he's still talking with us considering we cursed him on the cover last year. Like <laughs> that's, fair. that's well, I mean, I was very worried. This is fair. Uh, I don't know. Curse is the right word, but when you're talking about Carthage, yeah, they I think to, they're going to be, they go to the third line, losing the eventual state champ by nine points. Cursed. I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I really had to eat some crow on that too. Cause my wife's, uh, she says hello, by the way, hi. She in the comments. Yeah. Her her cousins went to China Spring. Ooh, that's a tough scene. And so dude. we were at Thanksgiving the day oh. before that oh, game. Oh no! <laughs> and I they were they were asking me, and I was like, you know, like if if the teams play to their capabilities, China Spring shouldn't play within three scores of them. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so they'd surely, you know, <laughs> yeah. Twenty four hours later, an ostrich egg your was laid. Your phone was ringing. <laughs> Thanksgiving at your folks' place this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's Gabe Brooks of Two Four Seven Sports, and of course Greg Powers of Next Level Athlete. Uh, Gabe, we end the show every show by asking Vince Young to get his Player of the Year trophy. So if you could do that here for just a second. All right. Um, that's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DTTF. That's yeah, that's real trophy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I see. us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Like Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course CS TexasFootball.com for Gabe Brooks, Greg Powers, and Ashley Pickle. I'm Greg Tepper. Gabe. Thank you very much. I appreciate y'all having me. Could you tell Vince to get his trophy? Oh, hey, VY, come get your your goods. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Jeff Rayburn in studio here on Text Football today. Mm-hmm.